Morning, everyone. Well, it's just me and Henry this morning. Actually, it is Thursday, October the 6th. Welcome to the morning meeting. Henry, you've got the overnight for us, please. Hi, Leighton. It's the dynamic duo in charge today, <laughs> Batman and Robin. So we will do our best to uh, to make this podcast interesting. So overnight, uh, we had a little backing and filling from the US markets and markets globally. Uh, a little bit of profit taking creeping in. The Dow was down around 2% early on in the day. But there was a big derivatives trade that went through in the US markets around uh, midday. Uh, with buying calls in the S&P 500, which tended to turn things around. At the end of the day, the Dow Jones closed down 42 points or 0.14 of a percent. The Nasdaq was down 0.25% and the S&P 500 down 0.2 of a percent, with that VIX volatility index falling 1.8%. Now, there wasn't a huge amount of news last night, a little bit of economic data coming out showing the US market or the US economy is still pretty strong. So, uh, some of that narrative about the Fed pivot is starting to wane a little bit, hence that early fall. We did see European markets on the nose as well, stock 600 down 1%. Commodities also a little bit mixed. The big news last night was OPEC Plus, which had their first in-person meeting for three years. And they met in uh, Vienna. They met in Vienna. And they cut production. This was a bigger than expected cut, although it had been widely rumoured. Two million barrels a day of production cuts, which uh, given that a lot of OPEC countries at the moment aren't actually producing anywhere near the, uh, the limits of capacity they're allowed to produce to, it's not as significant. But certainly Joe Biden not best pleased with that move. Oil prices better, 2% higher. And the Nigerian oil minister, after the, the OPEC meeting, said in an interview that basically OPEC wanted to get the price above 90 bucks as it ensured that uh, there would be stability in oil producing nations and that also there would encourage exploration and investment in the sector. And we did see last night the US dollar pick up slightly again and uh, bond yields pick up as well. We had US 10 years back up to 3.75. The US dollar index was up just over 1%. Gold fell on the back of the stronger US dollar, down at 1.8%. Other commodities, the best of the bunch was nickel, up 2.3%. Uh, Miners, uh, a little bit sloppy across the board in international trade. And US banks also falling last night. But um, very much about OPEC, very much about a pause, I guess, from the uh, huge runs that we've seen in equity markets in the last few days. So. That was the uh, overnight, really, Leighton. Yeah, thanks, Henry. And what's going on in the local market today? I know we've got that profit warning from Out and Magellan with a farm update. How's everything going? Oh, Magellan, certainly the girls just don't want to have fun with them. The Magellan update was pretty nasty, to be honest. They uh, they uh, once again saw some big outflows. Uh, they've only got $50 billion just over that, just slightly over that under management now. So a big, big drop. Retail money deserting it, and of course, uh, market movements as well hurting that funds under management as the market falls. So does the funds under management for these fund managers. So does the profitability in theory, because they haven't got as much money to look after because the the summer money is falling. So not so good there. Appen as well. Uh, Magellan at the moment, just to give you an idea. Uh, Magellan at the moment is down. Let's have a little quick squeeze. Down 8.7% to $10.72. How the mighty have fallen. I think it's not long actually away that Leighton, that Hamish Douglas returns to the all-star lineup at Magellan 
as uh, a consultant. Uh, he will need to do something uh, pretty yeah. consulting to, uh, to rescue that one at the moment. And the other one that's having a, a tough time today is Appen, which is down 14.5% on the back of um, profit guidance warning to the downside yet again. So that's hurting sentiment a little bit in the market. The banks are easing off. Uh, they have had a massive run. The big four, the big bank basket is up around 5.6% in the last week. That has been a massive driver in our market. Uh, but uh, today we are seeing losses of around 07 to 0.9% in the big four. So that's coming off. Uh, the rest of the market is weaker. We're down 22 points as we are recording this. Uh, some bright spots, though, in the market. We have Santos and, of course, Woodside doing well on the back of that oil price. And also Whitehaven Coal just continue to uh, to print money with the coal price, where it is up 4% today. And a little bit of strength in BHP and Pilbara up 37 But the rest of it's looking a little bit wishy-washy, drifting off rather than aggressively sold down, I have to say. Um, but there is um, a little bit of um, consolidation happening at the moment with one or two things just drifting off. No worries. Thanks for that, Henry. I'll just quickly jump into some of the broker movements that we've got today. There was a downgrade from Credit Suisse on Janice Henderson, downgraded to underperform. The target price has dropped around 8% there, and that's down to $29, which is implying a 13% downside. And just looking at some of the target prices that we've got, Macquarie has an outperform recommendation on Allchem with a target price 50% above the current market price. And I was just looking before, Allchem is up around 4% this morning. Which is actually what they gave back yesterday. Yeah, and they've got some, <laughs> did, did they have drilling results out this morning? Yeah, you? they had some uh, some drilling numbers out yesterday from Mount Caitlin, which uh, the market fell around 3.5%, now they're back up around 4%, so pretty much back where they were before those drill results. Yeah, and UBS also has a buy recommendation there with a the target price 33% above the current market price. For lithium, Macquarie has an outperform recommendation with a target price 49% above the current market price. And UBS has a buy recommendation for News Corporation with a target price 43% above the current market price. I'll just go over some of the other sections that we've got in today before we jump back to you for Henry's take. We'll have the technical section up later on. Stuart is just looking at the industry sector analysis today, and he's noting that energy has been leading across multiple time frames now. You'll be able to check that one out later in the newsletter. And also we'll have the growth portfolio in today. It'll be up a little bit later. I haven't gotten to that just yet. Been flat out this morning with just the two of us. But it's performed really well in the week just gone. I think we're up around 5% for the week, which is sort of what you would expect for a growth portfolio, given what we've just seen. But that'll be up later on, so make sure you check that one out. And now back to you for Henry's take, please. Yeah, thanks, Leighton. Um, just a few things this morning. Um, there's a few companies' announcements out which have been uh, good and bad. Polynovo, which I was trying to put in the uh, small cap portfolio the other day and uh, pushed them on Ausbiz the day before. Uh, they've had some good numbers out this morning. First ever $5 million sales month and record first quarter sales. So that one's going really well at the moment. I tried to put them in the portfolio at 132. Uh, missed it. They're now $1.55 and a half. So I did suggest that that one would go higher when I wanted to put it in. So that, that's going along quite nicely. The other one is DeGray back and trading today after $130 million capital raise. Interestingly, Gold Road is supporting the issue. They have to put in another 25 mil as they are a 20% shareholder in DeGray. So uh, that's a pretty good sign. The stock down 6% to 102.5. The placement was done around that price. And just in a, in a bit of a strategy piece today, something that Leighton and I were talking about back in June, 
uh, when the market was in its depths of depression. And I think there was three or four screenshots that Leighton had to put in for the 52 week high and lows. And at the time, we suggested that maybe with all those lows, we had reached maximum pessimism and the market was due for a bounce. I even spoke to one fund manager the night that we put that in and he suggested the same. And lo and behold, the market did bounce and it had a pretty good bounce. Now, yesterday in the end of day, the list of futures or the highs and lows, 52 week high and lows was pathetic. There was three 52 week highs and one 52 week low. So I'm not sure what that means. But certainly it means something, although um, we'll wait and see. I guess in hindsight, we'll find out what it means. But certainly the market at the moment, we've had the big short squeeze, the big snapback from the September sell off. October can be a month uh, of volatility, but it does tend to be a positive month, although positivity in October tends to be skewed towards the latter half of the month after a little bit of weakness in the first half. Now, obviously, we've had extreme strength in the first part of October, in the first week or so anyway. But certainly, as far as small caps go and strategy there, just um, not really throwing the money at the wall situation, more than happy to, uh, to pick off stocks and situations as and when they arise and think that maybe we will see a little bit of consolidation. We're seeing a smidge today, but it's 18 points. It is nothing really in the big scheme of things. But, um, you know, we, we've had such a big run that, uh, you know, 350 points in two days. It's extraordinary. A lot of computers, a lot of algos at play. And I did put in one example of uh, 5EA, which uh, fell heavily on absolutely no news, uh, apart from doing a, 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 a podcast, a webcast for investors, and then rose similarly back to where it was before that news on absolutely no news as well. So there are a lot of fun and games being played at the moment by algos, especially as they trade momentum. And once the market gets ahead of steam, uh, the uh, algos just jump in and uh, and keep pushing it. So we do tend to see not only overshoots to the downside, which I suspect September was, but also overshoots to the upside, which may be what the first week of October has uh, had in store for us. Interestingly, though, given that there's $43 billion worth of cash dividends that are hitting pockets of shareholders or wallets of shareholders between the 1st of September and the 31st of October, uh, with most of it coming out in September, you know, that big fall in September, a lot of that was big companies going ex-dividends. So, you know, although we fell 7% or whatever, probably 2 or 3% of that fall was actually down to uh, ex-dividends, especially when you look at the likes of BHP. So, Lots of money around still. Lots of people will have missed out on this rally. So I don't suppose it will come back too far. But given that we're back at 6,800, which is where we were on the 20th of September, there's been a lot of noise, a lot of talk and uh, a lot of action in some respects. But we're really, if you'd been away on the 20th of September, as I was, and you'd woken up on the um, 5th of October, you wouldn't have noticed much difference. So interesting. But anyway, that's it uh, from me. A couple of uh, events on the Marcus Today horizon that we're involved in. Uh, there's a microcap conference in Melbourne at the Sofitel, uh, which is on the 18th and 19th of October, which we're looking forward to. Marcus is giving a keynote speech there, and I'm chairing one of the sessions, which is uh, which is going to be good fun. And also there's, of course, FinFest coming up on the 15th of October. So we're going to be quite busy. Uh, but FinFest in Sydney at Barangaroo promises to be a financial conference like you've not experienced before. So if you haven't got your tickets, I, just, I would highly recommend getting them. I think they're only 45, 50 bucks or something. So it's nothing considering the amount of knowledge and experience and wise words of wisdom that will come out from all the contributors of that and the fun to be had. So uh, I suggest you get along to that. Apart from that, 
that's it from me today, Leighton. Awesome. Thanks, Henry. And obviously, Marcus is off in New Zealand today. He's doing a conference there. He gets back Saturday. You'll be able to see in the newsletter, he's given us a little update of his strategy piece this morning, just with his portfolios and stuff. And he'll be keeping an eye on that remotely. On to the question of the day. Is New Zealand remotely? Okay. <laughs> Does New Zealand count as remote? Oh, well, away from the office. <laughs> <laughs> he should be able Unwind. to do the morning meeting really easily because he's two hours or whatever it is in front of us. He should be <laughs> well up to speed. I don't know why I'm doing the morning headlines. He should be doing the morning headlines. He's got, uh, he's got the march on us. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. That brings us to our question of the day. What obscure interests do you have? And I'll start us off here. I've got a bit of a hobby of doing Rubik's Cubes, all different shapes and sizes. And yeah, that's probably my obscure interest. Wow. Um, you got one for I, us? I, I don't have too many obscure interests. My, my wife thinks I'm um, obsessed with petrol pricing uh, <laughs> and to the point where I hunt around uh, for the lowest price. And it never ceases to amaze me how you know, you've got one petrol station with petrol at 186 cents a litre and, and uh, the next one along has got petrol at $2 a litre and there's no one in the 186 and there's loads of people in the 200 and they're about 50 metres apart, the petrol stations. You just think, guy, what are you doing? You're just throwing money away. But anyway, that's a bit of a, um, a, a strange fascination with that. The other one I have, uh, I guess, an obscure interest is teabag throwing. I have perfected the art of throwing uh, a teabag from distance. I think my record in my brother's kitchen while I was away was about 15 feet uh, <laughs> with a PG tips. And if, if you want to play this game at home, uh, podcast fans, then you will need to get hold of PG tips because they are triangular and they fly much better. The ones with tags on don't fly as true, um, but certainly uh, PG tips are a great one. Any triangular teabag, I guess, but being English, I like PG tips. So, um, yes, that that is, I guess it's an obscure hobby rather than anything else. If a hobby can be... <laughs> Throwing tea bags from distance <laughs> into a mug. Have you played? Oh, no, I'm it... sorry, Leighton. I don't have too many other obscure uh, interests or hobbies. Um, music is, um, I guess, one of my hobbies. Yeah, not too obscure there. No, not very obscure at all, really. <laughs> Quite like cathedrals. Up? Quite like cathedrals. I used to, uh, in my youth, I used to go up uh, the tower of uh, as many cathedrals as I could find. Uh, in England, there's a, a massive, uh, there's some fantastic cathedrals, Salisbury, Winchester, Lincoln, Norwich, Westminster. Um, so that's a bit of an obscure hobby. Fan of architecture then. Nice. nice. Yeah. Damien? I genuinely don't have that. All right, then. How about you, Matt? Have you got something for us? I don't think it's that obscure, but I guess um, I'm an avid chess player. So I love my um, my ball games and um, excel quite well at a game of chess. <laughs> Do you beat the computer on hard mode? No, that's uh, <laughs> All right, well, that probably just about wraps us up. Thanks for that, Henry. Thank you. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Same again. Thanks, Leighton. Good Cheers. stuff. See you later.